0: Hey folks, Attorney Andrew Branca here for Law and Self-Defense. Tomorrow morning begins the jury selection in the Minnesota trial of former Brooklyn Center police officer Kimberly Potter on charges of first and second degree manslaughter for the April 11th, 2021 shooting death of criminal suspect Duante Wright, whom Potter shot in the mistaken belief that she was wielding her less than lethal taser electroshock weapon but who was actually using her Glock 17. The shooting and immediately surrounding events were captured on Potter's body camera, but if you're watching this on YouTube, I can't embed that video. I'll just be struck by YouTube. If you'd like to see that, I would encourage you to take a look at lawofselfdefense.com slash blog or at lawofselfdefense.locals.com. And before we jump into the meat of today's content, I do want to briefly mention an exceptional opportunity for your consideration. Perhaps once every 12 or 18 months, we do one of our full-day Law of Self-Defense Advanced Self-Defense Law courses. This is a full-day class that's the equivalent of a law school seminar on self-defense law. It's applicable to all 50 states. It's taught by me in my usual plain English style without any confusing legalese. The class is taught live. It's streamed to you at your computer using Zoom, and there's plenty of opportunity for live. Live QA. Because we allow for live QA, however, we have to sharply limit the number of seats available. So, on the rare occasions when we do one of our Law of Self Defense advanced classes, they invariably fill up almost immediately after we announce the date. And we've announced the date. It's taking place on Saturday, January 8th, 2022. If you've ever wanted a true mastery of the Law of Self Defense, here's the best really among the only opportunities to grab that expertise with both hands. Again, seats are already going fast since we first announced this Law of Self-Defense Advanced class just a few days ago. So if you're at all interested, I urge you to grab your seat today at lawofselfdefense.com advanced. All right, so back to this case where uh, former police officer Kimberly Potter shot and killed Duante Wright. Wright was initially pulled over by uniformed officers for driving a vehicle with expired license tags. During the stop, the officers discovered that Wright, 20 years old, had an outstanding arrest warrant. It's my recollection that the underlying offense was a weapons charge. As Wright was about to be handcuffed while standing by the open driver's side door of his car, he suddenly began to violently resist arrest. He dove back into the vehicle, scrambling around, and ultimately was in a position from which to drive the car. Potter had been hanging back and observing the arrest until Wright began to violently resist. She was reportedly present in the role of a training officer and at the time had 26 years in the job of police officer. Potter approached the driver's side door of Wright's car, threatened to tase Wright, pulled her Glock 17 service pistol, shouted taser, 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 and then fired a single nine millimeter round into Wright's body. At that point, Wright took off driving the vehicle, making it Only a few blocks before crashing to a stop, he would be declared dead at the scene. Immediately upon Wright's departure from the scene, Potter can be overheard on her body camera stating, "'Holy S, I just shot him.'" Now, Initially, it seemed that Potter would face no criminal charges in this event, as then-Police Chief Tim Gannon characterized the shooting as a tragic accident. On Tuesday, April 13th, however, two days after the shooting event, both Chief Gannon and Officer Potter resigned from the department, and on Wednesday, the following day, April 14th, Potter was charged with second-degree manslaughter under Statute 609.20, which is linked in the text version of today's content, and that's a felony which carries a sentence of up to 10 years. That charge was supplemented on September 2nd of this year with an additional count of first-degree manslaughter predicated on reckless use of a firearm under statute 609.205, also linked in today's content, and that's a felony that carries a sentence of up to 15 years. And I'll embed the criminal complaint in the text version of today's content. Both of the crimes charged are predicated on a mental state of recklessness. That is, it's not claimed by prosecutors that Potter intended to shoot right. Rather, they argue that by drawing her Glock 17 from the holster on the right side of her duty belt in place of the taser placed as required on the left side of her duty belt, Potter created an unreasonable risk of causing death or great bodily harm and consciously disregarded that risk. It is the degree of risk being deadly in nature and the conscious disregard of that risk that differentiates recklessness from mere negligence. Where recklessness is a valid basis for a criminal charge, as in this case, mere negligence would warrant only a civil suit for damages and not create criminal liability. I expect that Potter's legal defense will be either that her conduct was at worst mere negligence so that there ought be only civil and no criminal liability, or even that her conduct qualifies as a genuine accident to which neither civil nor criminal liability attaches. Accident is a genuine legal defense, much as self-defense is a genuine legal defense. That said... A legal defense of accident in cases involving firearms is difficult because firearms are inherently dangerous instruments, and thus the standard of care is very high. For practical purposes, unjustified death, injury, or risk created by the handling of a firearm is treated as largely a strict liability offense and is inherently criminally reckless, absent some intervening event outside the gun handler's control. Certainly, Potter's black Glock 17 pistol and her bright yellow taser are not difficult to distinguish under normal circumstances, and each is worn on opposite sides of her duty belt, with the Glock by her dominant side right hand and her taser by her weak side left hand. The scene of Wright's arrest, however, was arguably not a normal circumstance, at least not once Wright began violently resisting arrest, presented himself as lunging into the car, perhaps for a weapon, his outstanding arrest warrant was, I believe, for a weapons charge, and then positioning himself to drive wildly from the scene, in effect preparing to use the car itself as a weapon. I expect that the Potter defense will argue that her conduct might qualify as reckless in the coolness of 2020 hindsight. But Wright's contribution to the chaos by his violent resistance to lawful arrest is an important aspect of the totality of the circumstances that ought to mitigate Potter's mental state to something less than reckless. Interestingly, under the totality of the circumstances, it seems likely that Potter would have been privileged to use deadly force upon Wright had she done so intentionally in the belief that Wright had re-entered the vehicle to access a weapon or intended to use the vehicle itself as a weapon. In that case, the appropriate justification for the shooting would be self-defense and defense of others. Because Potter so clearly did not intend to use deadly force, however, self-defense would seem to be off the table because self-defense is an inherently intentional act. One cannot commit an act of accidental self-defense. This case appears to be pushed aggressively by the Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison, who was also a prominently featured personality during the trial of police officer Derek Chauvin earlier this year over the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Brooklyn Center, where Potter was a police officer and where she unintentionally shot right, is a nearby suburb of Minneapolis. And that's about where we are at as jury selection in the trial of Ms. Potter is set to begin tomorrow. Now, we hadn't initially planned to cover this trial in real time because the judge had refused to allow news cameras in the courtroom, but she recently reversed that decision. So accordingly, we'll be live commenting and live streaming this trial every day at legal insurrection, much as we did the recent Rittenhouse trial in its entirety, as well as the chunk of the Ahmad Arbery case trial that did not overlap with Rittenhouse. We'll also be providing end-of-day wrap-up analysis of each day's proceedings in the evening with both live daily coverage and end-of-day analysis expected to run through to the verdict in this case. Okay, folks, that's all I have for you on this topic for the moment. Remember to join me tomorrow morning at Legal Insurrection. Until then, remember, if you carry a gun so you're hard to kill, that's why I carry a gun, so I'm hard to kill, my family is hard to kill, then you also owe it to yourself and your family to make sure you know the law so you're hard to convict. Until tomorrow morning, I remain attorney Andrew Branca for Law Self-Defense. Stay safe.